The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. From the studios of The Shepherd Radio Network, it's Afternoons with Mike. This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. Thank you so much for joining us today here on Afternoons with Mike on the Shepherd Radio Network. What a privilege it is for me to have with me today a great golfer, a name that you will have heard if you're a golfing fan You've heard of this man, Wally Armstrong, played the PGA Tour. I did not know that he was a a Gator, and I did not know he was a Hoosier, for crying out loud, meaning he came from Indiana, but he did. And I am so honored to welcome you here, Wally. Thank you, Mike. It's great to be around another fellow Hoosier. (laughs) Yes, it is. And a Gator. (laughs) Well, I'm a Gator dad. I have Uh to say that way. My uh, three of my four kids... I'll have degrees from UF, and uh, we were able to spend 17 years up in Gainesville, my wife and I, and uh, those three kids that all went to school there. That's great. Yeah, we had a great time in Gainesville. Love Gainesville. Of course, this interview is going out over WTMN, Mm -hmm. which is a Gainesville radio station, and all of my friends that uh, are golfers are wishing they were right here with me today (laughs) because this is really exciting to get to talk to you. I heard about you when I first moved to Orlando. And of course you were, you were well known both as a golfer and as a golf instructor. And I did not know though, uh, until just recently that you turned to be a bit of an author as well. And you were the one that wrote the namesake for this new movie that is coming out uh, on the 18th called The Mulligan. And you're here you are, you wrote the book. So this is pretty exciting. Pretty That's exciting. Pretty amazing. <laughs> it, it was it, really a God thing. Well tell us a little bit about yourself. I know you said you grew up in Indianapolis. So let's start there. What was life like for you in Indy? Well I grew up in uh, a little community on a lake out in the cornfields of Indiana. So all my buddies were farm kids. So we had some great football teams and basketball teams and yeah. uh, but uh, down the street was a little nine-hole Ilks club. Uh, it had one sand trap, and it was filled with dirt. Uh, but I, <laughs> you know, I really, uh, I, I was an abused child growing up, so I was a lonely kid, and I spent a lot of time just hiking in the woods and found a golf ball once and, uh, in a field, a cornfield, and I looked over, and there was a golf course. So I, I had a job. I started finding balls and selling them yeah. to the golfers, and then I ended up caddying. And I caddied for the club champion who became a real father figure to me. And uh, I got a passion for the game and started playing junior tournaments and uh, fortunately um, won the state high school championship and uh, took a trip down to some of the southern schools, Georgia Tech, Florida State, uh, uh, tried out at Florida and ended up the basketball coach. Coach Norm Sloan had graduated from my high school of all places in Indiana, put oh, in a good goodness. word. Yeah. Next thing I knew, I was uh, on a golf scholarship in Gainesville, and uh, that's the rest of the story. It's been a, a, a real blessing to to go through uh, Gainesville to get a, uh, a graduate degree. Now, how do you uh, go from being an abused <laughs> young man that found a golf ball in a field, <laughs> and you get a scholarship 
there at UF. How does that happen? Boy, I just don't know. <laughs> I think even back then, you know, God was working to direct my life. And I've always felt that through my whole life that there's, you know, there's a real plan there. And mm-hmm. uh, even though I've messed it up a bunch of times, uh, that's the beautiful thing about following Christ is there's that forgiveness and there's that direction uh, yes. through your whole life. Now, you weren't a believer back in those days when you even uh, in coming to Florida, you were not a believer yet, right? No, I wasn't even close. I was, I'd maybe gone to church once or twice before I got to Gainesville. And uh, of course, you know, when you come out of the cornfields, Indiana, and you hit Gainesville, you're, you're into all the activities. I was in a fraternity house uh, and uh, found myself living two lives. You know, I was the all American mm-hmm. kid with the coach, but I was uh, becoming a fraternity drunk out of control uh, at the fraternity house and um it's a well a well-worn path for so many i had a lot of uh, a lot of shame in my life a lot of guilt uh, being abused being told i was never going to mount anything Uh, and so there was a huge performance element in my life Mm -hmm. Um, couldn't fill it up couldn't fill that void up with I was student legislature, athletic council. I was in the Letterman's Club, <laughs> you know. Uh, and I started with Steve Spurrier, who uh, uh, would come out for the golf team every spring, and so we played a lot of golf. And um, but it was yeah, during my senior year, I was uh, captain of the team, and we had finished third in the uh, NCAA. And I'd injured my back, and I decided to go to a, a Christian athletes meeting. I was always curious about it, but I had a little time. And uh, this is the interesting thing. I went just two times, never said a word, and they found out that I was in, uh, you know, an officer at the fraternity, athletic council, and they said, hey, we need some help. Um, could you, would you like to be an officer? So uh, I said, well, sure, you know, and that would look good on my record anyway to have some Christian organization. So then uh, that was really the shock of my life, Mike, is they appointed me as their chaplain. Wow. So I was the first chaplain that ever lived that didn't have a prayer. I, I I got a Bible. I went to church that Sunday, and I was so nervous because I had to give the devotional the next week, and, and I didn't and, know what I was going to say. <laughs> I mean, really, I had no idea. Um, and we, uh, God was gracious. We had a guest speaker, a law student named Andrew Crenshaw, who uh, was in uh, House of Representatives in Congress mm-hmm, for many yeah. years. But Andrew shared that you could have a relationship with Christ. Uh, and, um, and he invited me to a chaplain's training meeting the next week at the 80 Pi sorority house. And, uh, it was part of the campus crusade. Um, and when he told me that, I thought, you know, I don't know if I want to get that deep into the crusade, but, <laughs> but, uh, they, uh, they, it was a meeting where they share, they helped us, uh, learn how to share our faith. And of course, I didn't really have any faith yet, but um, so you were a chaplain before you had a, a real commitment. I, I had no idea what I was getting into. Yeah, that and, sounds uh, like the, not the typical way that chaplains are named, right there. So the uh, the deal was they had a little booklet. It was called the Four Spiritual Laws. Yeah, and so I was paired up with one of the uh, reps from Alabama, a guy named Davy Jones. Still remember that, and. Uh, he said, now, Wally, the greatest thing you can ever do for another person is help them find Christ. And uh, he took that little booklet out. And he said, let's practice sharing together. And all you have to do is read through this. And uh, and then there's a little prayer at the end. So he says, let's I'll read it through. Uh, and then and then you you just say the prayer and then you, you can read it through with me and I'll say the prayer. But he didn't realize that he was really <laughs> 
you know, bringing me to Christ. Uh, wow. And so uh, that's how I got started. I was kind of ready to share before I was there. <laughs> that is unreal. Um, became involved with uh, the Campus Crusade, which is crew now. And uh, during my graduate studies, uh, my roommate was Tim Tebow's dad, Bobby. <laughs> and uh, we went out to Campus Crusade headquarters, and I had the the real zeal that I had a new way to look at life. And uh, this relationship with Christ began to develop, uh, and the friendships we had uh, after that uh, were amazing. Uh, still have many of these in my life. I just think that is so incredible. Uh, I've never heard a story <laughs> quite like that, and I'm sure that many people are hearing this, they would say, he was a chaplain before he became a real true Christian? How did that happen? And I'm sure the people, well, they, they probably just had a reason for that. And they saw something in you that turned out to be the right thing. So that's, that's really great. Well, that's great. always been my passion, I think. Uh, since that time, 1968, um, that's been my passion is to use the game of golf as a tool uh, as a platform. So the Mulligan movie, the Mulligan book, uh, it's just a blessing. It's, uh, it's nothing I deserve by any means, but, um, but that's been a real blessing for me, uh, all these years since I met Christ, uh, almost 50 years ago. Wow. We'll get more deeply into the Mulligan movie a little bit later on, but right. It, it is something that we should say right now, mm -hmm. this movie is getting ready to come out. It's getting ready to premiere mm -hmm. and it's going to be, uh, very prominent in the Orlando area. Uh, I know I'm not sure about the other cities of our network. But I do know it's going to be at a couple of theaters in the Orlando area on the 18th. 18th and 19th. The 18th and 19th. So mm -hmm. it's a limited showing, and you have to get your tickets soon. But uh, what when I was at the NRB just recently, mm -hmm. the National Religious Broadcasters, I had an opportunity to catch up with Rick Eldridge and also Pat Boone. <laughs> and uh, it was really great wow. to see them both. I'd met Pat the year before in, in mm -hmm. Dallas uh, at the NRB. Uh, and, uh, but Rick, uh, I'm, I interviewed Rick Eldridge as a, um, yeah, pff, before I was here very long at all mm -hmm. in Orlando back in 1986. So he was at that time, he was part of the Jesus festivals that were going on that uh, were awesome. kind of in their last legs mm -hmm. uh, in uh, the Orlando area when they had moved the event to the fairgrounds. Mm -hmm. And uh, Jim Green and Rick Eldridge were the two leaders of the Jesus Festival. And I had moved down to be part of what was then called Household of Faith, mm -hmm. now Metro Life Church in Orlando with my friend, and mm -hmm. you know him as well, Danny Jones. Mm -hmm. um, and so we are... <laughs> We're we're there, and I I ended up getting this position with Al Chubb at WAJL, and I was the morning guy, and I interviewed Rick mm -hmm. Eldridge back in yeah. the day. Great musician, great guy, mm -hmm. and so how much fun it was for me to catch up with him recently mm -hmm. in uh, uh, in Nashville mm -hmm. at the NRB. So yeah, I know you know him as well too. Absolutely, and of course Pat is the star, one of the stars. Yes, of the he movie. is, and um, and I hadn't seen Pat. My wife and I met him uh, at one of the shootings. We went up to uh, Tacoa to see it. We, uh, when I was on the PGA Tour, Pat, when we went to L.A., to the Riviera L.A. Open, he would host our chapel for the players at his house in Beverly Hills. 
So that was, we hadn't seen Pat since uh, 1975. Wow. Uh, when he hosted it. Uh, of course, he had Debbie. Yeah. Uh, the, she had her famous you light song. up my life. And, yeah. And uh, all the players were, they were going, hey, is Debbie going to be there? <laughs> you know, so we had a good turnout. <laughs> it's funny to think that Pat Boone became Debbie's dad. That mm-hmm. to a lot of people. I mean, Debbie was that big and. Uh, I had a chance to tell Pat my Debbie Boone story. Well, I, I, I produced a TV show that had Debbie as the guest. We wow. spent a half an hour recording the show, and mm-hmm. I was the camera guy. I was the producer. Wow. And I blew it. No. I, I messed the sound up. The oh sound was completely unusable. It was horrible. It was my most embarrassing <laughs> professional moment in my entire life. And I had to look at the host of the show and Debbie Boone and say, uh, I hate to tell you this, but, but everything that we've just done is no good because there's no usable audio. And Debbie was so gracious to say this, let's do it again. And for another half hour, we sat there and did that show top to bottom again. You know what that's called? That's called grace. It's called a mulligan. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's right. Well, I, that's, mean, I mean, the light, life is a bowl of, I mean, I like to say that life is a bowl of mulligans because oh, uh, yeah. it's all about forgiveness. And the Bible is a book of mulligans. When oh. you think of it, it's, it's all about everybody that blew it. Oh. You, would, you would think if God was going to put some book together like that, that he would have all these success stories. Yeah. But, um, but that's what life's all about. It's about, you know, we all fall down we all scrape our knees. Um, but as I heard one say, he said that God loves us even when we have a jam on our faces, you know, mm-hmm. we're, that's what forgiveness is about. That's why he sent his son. So that well, uh, I sure tasted you know. grace that day. I, <laughs> you did. <laughs> I did not understand the grace of God all that much back in that day in my life, but yeah. I saw it in action in Debbie Boone, and it made a major impact on my yeah. life. And I thought I would hope that one day, if if I were ever to be in a situation mm-hmm. that someone needed that level of grace, that needed that mm-hmm. level of understanding mm-hmm. and not start yelling and because I've just wasted basically their time for a half yeah, an hour yeah. and it was all on me. And so yeah, that was yeah. a one. And I had a chance to tell Pat Boone about that. And that's he, awesome. and here's his answer. He said, that's my Debbie. I had a life changing, uh, Mulligan. Uh, would I be able to share that? with Yeah, you? absolutely. So, so when I was on the tour, I mentioned that I, 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 before that in college, I had, uh, uh, graduated, got my graduate degree, and then I was invited by uh, a golf professional from Orlando named Dave Reagan. Uh, and uh, he said, could you come down and share your story with the Rollins and Stetson golf teams at my house? So I drove down from Gainesville, and I shared my faith for one of the first times, but I had a passion for, you know, I need to reach these people that are walking in shoes like me. And afterwards, Dave says, you know, you don't have to give up golf you can use golf as a tool. And, uh, he said, why don't you come out on the PGA tour and caddy for me? So I, uh, I went out and I caddied for Dave and, uh, the uh, first tournament I caddied for him was the Azalea open. And we went to the tour chapel, uh, and Gary player was there. And, uh, long story short, uh, the next week at Byron Nelson, Gary's caddy was sick. I caddied for Gary player in three tournaments. And, um, but he had a contract with a banana company where he had to eat bananas 
during the round. So he would give me these bananas. I'd put them in his big zipper pocket by his rain gear and gloves. And then he would, during the round, he'd say, Wooly. He'd call me Wooly. Um, <laughs> give me a banana. So uh, that went well for there in Houston. But the last day in Houston, he was leading the tournament. And I forgot to take the bananas out of the bag when we finished. And they stayed in there for a week oh, at New Orleans. Ooh. So the Mulligan story is on the, on the 12th hole at New Orleans. And, of course, I've played that tournament many times. Uh, it's raining so hard and he can't hold on to the club and he's got his umbrella up and I'm kneeling down. He says, Willie, get my clean gloves and my rain gear. And when I unzipped the bag, the smell overwhelmed him and he held his nose. And he went, Oh, Willie, what's in the bag? And, uh, I reached down and it was just like black tar. I had ruined all of his rain gear and gloves. Oh. Um, and he just shook his head, but um, he got, I got through that. He gave me a mulligan and uh, I ended up finishing caddying for him. But, uh, he, uh, Dave and him encouraged me to try to play on the PGA tour. Wow. And, uh, um, and that encouragement, I finished my graduate degree. I went in the army two years. I tried the mini tours three years. And, uh, and then, uh, in 78, I qualified for the master's. And uh, played a practice round with Gary and Seve Ballesteros. I mean, what a thrill. Here I yeah. had blown it. And I'm thinking, this is the end of the world. Playing around, practice round with them. And I was fortunate enough to uh, to be in the top 10 uh, going in the last round. Uh, played right behind Gary Player and Seve Ballesteros. Was in the middle of the fairway on 18, watching Gary Player make a 20-foot putt to win. And I reflected back about... Ten wow. years, ten years before, I'm on my knees, just asking God, please help me. <laughs> that is such a great <laughs> and, story. Uh, so, um, to me, that was just such a blessing to see how God had worked, and and uh, all those years, ten years of the mini tours and the army, and you know, having orders for Vietnam, and just uh, you know, just struggling. But but I felt that God's hand was always there you know and uh always there up and down yep and <laughs> never far away lots of mulligans <laughs> i like that i learned i'm I'm a terrible golfer i wish i were a better one but i sure love it but i learned to love mulligans i <laughs> <laughs> that's the sweetest word you know there, it, it there should be is. a song you know amazing mulligan how sweet the sound that, that saved a hacker like me <laughs> that's great my guest today is wally armstrong and he will be back with Wally. Don't go away. This is Afternoons with Mike and you're on The Shepherd. Back at segment two now with Wally Armstrong, professional golfer, uh, golf instructor and author. And he co-wrote the book, The Mulligan, which is now a movie. Oh my goodness. I can't <laughs> wait. It's going to be so much fun. I had a chance again to talk with Rick Eldridge and to meet Pat Boone and realize that this man, I've known Pat Boone my entire life mm -hmm. and here I've known about him, never met him until the last year uh, with him again this past um, month. And here are now Wally Armstrong, who is one of the writers of this amazing book called The Mulligan. If you don't know what a mulligan is, you might have just learned it in the last segment. <laughs> it's, it's a do-over. It's mm -hmm. a second chance. And that's what this movie is all about. And boy, our lives have been full of mulligans, haven't they, Wally? Absolutely. Um, yeah, the mulligan, you can't, uh, you can't earn it. 
you know, you hit that bad shot in the woods on the first tee, and uh, you can't ask for one. It has to be offered. Yeah. And then you have to receive it. Of course, Mulligan is grace. Yeah, uh, it is. That, uh, in the Bible, it's that undeserved um, love that God lavishes upon us and who we in no way deserve. Um, but that's uh, uh, that's the whole key to life is you've got to humble yourself and receive that grace. Freely you have received, freely mm-hmm. give, the Bible says. Mm-hmm. And that is, that's what we yeah. should be doing. Yeah. Now, during the break, we were talking about something that I was <laughs> like, oh, okay, we, we got to talk about this mm-hmm. uh, on the air. And that was, you know, your your own marriage and going through some difficulties in Orlando and all, all of that process. So jump in there and tell me about Well, getting, that. you know, we I played 10 years uh, traveling, uh, I averaged 34 weeks a year back then. You on had the PGA to, you Tour. You had to make the top 60 back then, money winners. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm playing against the greatest at, of all time, I think. You know, Tom Watson and Arnold and Jack and and uh, Tom Kite. And so there was like a... Legendary you know, names. Uh, there was like about 10 spots every year that about 150 of us rabbits <laughs> were struggling for. So when I did get off the tour... Um, it was hard to adjust from never being home and our marriage uh, really crashed and we uh, we couldn't find any. Uh, like, uh, there was one Christian counselor here in all of Orlando and uh, we went away and got help and we ended up uh, starting the uh, Florida Counseling Foundation with Roger Shepard. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we we're on the board, but it has been an amazing blessing to so many people. Um, and Roger was a supervisor for the uh, for the counseling uh, group at RTS. Um, and then uh, also when I got off the tour, R.C. Sproul came into town. Um, my best friend was his realtor. And so... Uh, Bill, and he moved down from Pennsylvania. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, I had met R.C. when I, we were on the PGA Tour during the U.S. Open. In Pittsburgh, he came and spoke to our PGA Tour group. And he so was I, a great golfer himself. So I knew R.C., and uh, uh, he lived on the golf course at Sable. And so right away, you know, I'm out playing golf with him two or three times a week. And he said, <laughs> hey, if you'd like to have an office with me. So I had an office at Ligonier for about five years. And uh, R.C. and I were, you know, we, we were playing golf all the time, uh, of course, you don't want to talk about theology. I want to talk about theology. He want to talk about golf. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, I did an infomercial um, in the 90s uh, that was nationally broadcast with Kenny Rogers and Pat Summerall. Um, they sold about um, 150,000 sets of training aids and DVDs on an infomercial. And uh, RC got on the infomercial endorsing me. And I think his board was really ticked at him. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> but, uh, no, that was just one of those things where I was so blessed to be around R.C. and to go to his conferences and, oh, and personally yes. to uh, to hang out with him uh, as a friend, you know, as a golfer friend. And I think he really liked that. Oh, I'm sure he did. He was a sports fanatic. Mm-hmm. He, a lot of people may not realize that about him. When they you think, how could you know this much about theology, which he did? And could his, his teaching tapes and CDs and videos are just, they're treasures. Yeah, yeah. But you put that man uh, up in front of people and start asking him trivia about something that happened 25 years ago. Unbelievable. And his mind 
could draw yeah. in every yeah. statistic that you could imagine. That's that's well, exactly. He's a big, you know, Pittsburgh guy, you know, so he yeah. knew all of all the history of the, of the, uh, you know, the the Pittsburgh teams. So, yeah, uh, that was kind of fun. It really was, and I know that um, just that experience that you had being with him and being at Ligonier—that's pretty exciting too. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was wonderful. But uh, at some point in time here, you make the transition when you're off tour and you start teaching. So let's talk about that for a moment. I yeah, it's really interesting because I well, I had my graduate degree at the University of Florida in education and and uh, health and human performance. So I had uh, always had a passion for teaching the game of golf. In fact, I did my master's uh, degree there, and I was able to uh, to test the golf team with different you know, different, uh, testing methods and, you know, trying to draw all kinds of correlations. And I found that uh, the best way to communicate the game is you have to use associations with other sports and, uh, everyday items. And so that's kind of been the theme of my, uh, my teaching with all the videos and the television shows is I use everyday objects, uh, to uh, teach the feel of the game of golf, brooms and mops and door wedges and, you know, baseball bats. Um, and I found that's really the most effective way to, to teach the game is you have to, you have to understand your student first and get into mm-hmm. their thinking. You have to speak their language and then you have to find uh, something. If the, if, the, if the person played baseball, then I'll bring a baseball bat out and, uh, and show them the similarities between that move and and golf so that's been uh the teaching of, of golf uh, and but my real passion when i got off the tour was i i really wanted to spend time with with my family and so um my son scott was 10 at the time and we did what was called dads and lads we did a couple of church outings um and we would line balls up and he was a lefty and i was a righty so we'd hit balls in sequence and uh, so we ended up producing the first golf instructional videotape, VHS. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Back in the day. Called Dads yeah. uh, uh, for, for Golf for Kids of All Ages. And it was really based on how do you, how do you teach golf to your kids? Mm-hmm. That's been my passion is, is how do we get more kids into the game to really learn about the great similarities between game and life and, and also golf and life and also faith. So you had a son that was a lefty. Yes. Uh, now I'm a lefty and uh-huh. I've, I've always used the excuse that left-handed people are just, we're on the wrong side of the brain for this game of golf, but apparently that's not. Well, the, there's some pretty good left-handed yeah, players. Yeah, look at Phil Mickelson <laughs> and, and the rest. Of, so that started me, uh, you know, in teaching. And then I started doing, being asked by PGA uh, sections to do teaching workshops on this method of teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, in, uh, 90, uh, 94, uh, my other son who was 10, <laughs> I had another one named Blake. Um, we started doing clinics together for Titleist. Uh, and, um, the, uh, he came up with the idea, well, well, dad, let's have a, why don't we have a club like Big Bertha or something? And I said, what would you call it? And he said, Oh, I'd call it a T-Rex, a dinosaur club. So we took the, uh, we found a green-headed driver uh, from Austeds, and we put a uh, a T-Rex uh, silhouette on it and mm-hmm. took it out to the PGA Golf Show. And I, of course, I showed it to the 
the CEO of Titleist first, Wally Uline, and he says, um, we want it. And so they they created a whole line of junior clubs called T-Rex. Oh, my goodness. Um, And uh, we did a videotape for that. Uh, It was in the box with the kids. Um, In fact, uh, uh, Justin Thomas, uh, his father, who was a golf pro, uh, told me at the golf show uh, a couple years ago that, that Justin started golf using those T-Rex kids clubs. Isn't that When something? he was a kid. Um, but unfortunately, uh, the uh, Titleist, well, for me, and they bought Cobra that year and they decided they were not going to be in the kids market. So they dropped the program. And uh, so here I am wanting to do kids golf. And fortunately, uh, uh, six years later, um, I was fortunate enough to create a kids' mobile golf game named Snag, uh, starting new at golf. And uh, it was with plastic clubs and tennis balls and mm-hmm. sticky targets. And it became the first Tees national game. Uh, all the equipment and the curriculum that they used uh, grew out of that invention. <laughs> Isn't that so? For kids' golf. And so it's all over the world now. Uh, in fact, in Japan, this uh, game, they have a national championship uh, every year. With a game little, you created. A little old game I created with a, yeah. another tour player named Terry Anton, who's running it now. I sold my interest in that. and uh, um, But I always had a passion for somehow using the game to reach kids for Christ. And uh, so fortunately... Um, uh, three years ago, uh, I, of course I knew Payne Stewart and uh, I knew they had a kids foundation. And so, uh, Tracy, uh, uh, decided to uh, have a kids program using this mobile equipment. And so we created the Payne Stewart kids golf, uh, program now for churches, YMCA's and boys and girls clubs using all the mobile equipment. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, fortunately, I have a team of men, uh, some golf professionals that have created. You know, I worked with them on the curriculum. We'll have our own Payne Stewart line of of, of kids clubs. Uh, hopefully, we can get them made up in China. <laughs> it's hard to get the equipment. We finally got it a year later, and so we're we're hoping to find a U.S. Uh, uh, plastics group that mm-hmm. can make our clubs in the future. But anyway, that's just another one of those blessings where the we can go into the YMCAs, we can go into the uh, churches, and we can take it right to where they are, in their mm-hmm. gyms or out in their fields. And we're working for little kids three to eight because they're the ones that get left out. Most golf courses you can't get on until you're eight years old. And, but there's a huge opportunity there because they're the largest group uh, in the world, you know, these three to eight-year-olds. Mm-hmm. Uh, and their parents are the millennials who uh, really don't know anything about the Bible or church. And so if we can introduce these little kids to Jesus, then they're going to go home and say, uh, hey, I like going to church. I can learn golf. <laughs> and so the uh, the whole idea is... is it's all through friendships. See, uh, the kids build friendships with other Christians. I mean, other uh, followers of Jesus, mm-hmm. you know, and then uh, half the kids that come are from unchurched families. So the idea is they're going to see, hey, th- there maybe is something to this faith. 
Uh, and um, so it's is. a great outreach for your churches mm-hmm. into the community to get kids coming to church and learn golf. How can people find out about that? It's uh, it's a great website. It's called PayneStewart.org. PayneStewart.org. And, um, so there's a foundation we have that we created, the Payne Stewart Kids Golf Foundation, to enable us to take the game into the dark inner cities of, of America. You know, the Boys and Girls Clubs, there's 4,700, and it's a safe place. The kids can go to the gym, and the only other safe place are the churches downtown. Mm-hmm. But we have this mobile game that we can bring a whole a bag of equipment. And all the training is, uh, you know, done on YouTube that anyone can do it. Non-golfers can teach it. So that's where my heart is, is, you know, we can reach these little kids in these, uh, in the, through the boys and girls clubs and, uh, and introduce them to the, the fruits of the spirit, right? Uh, love and joy and patience. And we'll touch hearts because they, uh, they're desperately in need of somebody that believes in them and they can have success with this game. Uh, the beauty of it also, Mike, is the the mobile equipment, the plastic clubs. They hit tennis balls. Everybody can do it, so that no kid is left out. Right. See, the problem with a lot of these inner city, you know, you, you either you play basketball, and if you don't play basketball, <laughs> you know, then you're left out. Right. But with this golf game, all these little kids, um, kids that that uh, you know are are mentally challenged. Uh, Kids that uh, are physically challenged, you know, they can do this in a wheelchair. They mm-hmm. can do this uh, with one arm. Um, and so the beauty is, is no kid gets left out and they all can build friendships. And uh, of course, the most important friendship is they can find a friendship with Christ. Absolutely. Uh, and that'll be the the ground floor. If Statistics show that if you can reach little kids between four and eight and have them in two ways, have a great experience with golf. They may pick it up later, but mm-hmm. more than that, if you can have kids have a great experience with people that love them and are talking about this, how much God loves them, then that will hopefully stick with them and uh, through their whole life. There's uh, something wonderful about the game of golf. I don't know what it is about being out there on the links. Uh, it, it It's just wide open. I, I just love yeah. it. I wish I were a better golfer, but I I love it in in still yeah. I even still. Well, it's in beautiful. the movie, uh, you know, Pat Boone has a has this corporate man he's working with who doesn't have a clue about who God is, but he knows there's something different about Pat, and uh, and he's on the golf course. He doesn't even remember the name of the guys he's playing with. He doesn't even see the beauty of the outdoors. And, uh, and so finally, Pat, at one point in the movie, he, he says, uh, he says, you've, you've missed it all. And he raises his arms up and he says, this is a cathedral. Mm. <laughs> you know, that's what a cathedral was. <laughs> they built cathedrals with the huge, if you've been in England or yeah. you know, Italy and you, it looks like, you know, when you look up in these big, big, huge, uh, you know, churches, uh, then that's what they wanted people to catch a glimpse of the magnus, mm. the magnet. Magnificence, the magnificence of, of God. Yes. And so, uh, uh, in the movie, that's what uh, the old pro Pat Boone tries to relay: is that, you know, outdoors, this is God's cathedral. This He's is there. It. He's present. But you need to see Him through nature, through uh, the beauty of of outdoors. And of course, it's a little. That's the beauty of golf: is you're not in a 
you know, a stadium. You're not in an indoor place, you know, and uh, you're out there enjoying God's creation. What a fun visit today with Wally Armstrong, golfer, extraordinaire, teacher, author, and this movie, The Mulligan, is coming out on the 18th, just a couple of days away, and it is going to only be in theaters for a select couple of days. So you've got to get tickets, you've got to go see it, and as Rick Eldridge said, uh, there's uh, there's nothing like seeing it on the big screen, mm-hmm. and that's really true. Yeah, themulliganmovie.com is where they can go, and they put in their zip code, and then it will pull up all the theaters, uh, you know, they're showing at. So, like, if you're in Ocala or you're in Gainesville, just go to themulliganmovie.com and put in your zip, and then uh, it'll pull up where the theaters are. That's great. And we're wishing the very best for this movie and want to see it. Can't wait to see it, as a matter of fact. My guest today, Wally Armstrong, and I will be back in a moment. This is Afternoons with Mike, and you're on The Shepherd. With me in the studio today is Wally Armstrong, a professional golfer, was on the PGA Tour from 74 to 84, uh, played in the Masters, played alongside some of the biggest names that we still know and talk about today, legendary names like like uh, Jack and Arnold, and you heard him talk about Payne Stewart already. You know, that was a very sad thing mm-hmm. that happened that day, and I caught the attention of America. But boy, his legacy is going forward, and his love for the game is still being mm-hmm. felt, and uh, I believe being instilled in all these young people that you're doing. Mm-hmm. Now, you mentioned during the break something about the book that you wrote, The Mulligan, and that is the source and the kind of the the basis for this new movie that's coming out. It, it itself received a mulligan or two. Tell us about that. Well, it's, it's interesting. Um, you know, I mentioned earlier about creating this national uh, game for kids, uh, mobile golf equipment, adult, mm-hmm. there are adult clubs. And uh, so when we were uh, thinking of other avenues to market this game, uh, Ken Blanchard had endorsed my first book called In His Grip. Uh, and uh, so uh, we thought, well, maybe Ken could use this game to I have uh, that book. Maybe Ken yeah. could, uh, you know, could do some team building with this equipment. So we sent the equipment out to him and he says, oh, I love it. He, and so that one of the investors in the, the game was from Chicago and owned his own golf course. Uh, so Ken flew in town uh, with his wife and uh, my partner and I went up to, it was called Rich Harvest Farms. And uh, so Ken is kind of giving us his advice. And uh, and I had been working on a uh, on a book with an old pro and a corporate man and and uh, uh, being able to use something like this to, for golfers to share with others a, a possible a book. And I asked Ken, I said, uh, would you be in, interested in doing a book called The Mulligan? He says, what do you mean Mulligan? And I said, well, well, Jesus was the greatest mulligan of all time. And he loved that. He said, I like mulligan. I love Jesus being the mulligan. He says, let me take a look at the book, what you've written so far. So I sent it to him. He called me a couple of days later and says, I, I want to do this book because this is about my life. And I know this corporate man. And um, so he, we flew in. He flew into Callaway Gardens and we met up there and started banging this book out. And uh, And it resulted in a in a, in a book, uh, a year later, it was picked up by Thomas Nelson and, uh, went for about five years and then it went out of print 
Um, I was at the National Prayer Breakfast sitting with my wife in the lobby having lunch, and I heard someone talking about golf behind me. And I turned over. I said, hey, you're talking about golf. He says, yeah, I'm a golf pro. I said, oh, I had written a book. It's out of print now um, called The Mulligan. I wrote it with Ken Blanchard. His wife perks up and says, hey, can we take a look at that book? I am the new president of Zondervan. Oh, my goodness. So here, the book's out of print. I just happened to be up in Washington. The guy's talking golf. His wife's the new president of Zondervan. She looks at the book. We redo the whole book. Oh, with, uh, my under, And now under Zondervan title. And uh, now Zondervan's got it. And, it, of course, Harper Collins bought Zondervan and Thomas Nelson, but they didn't really market it. So it went out of print. They said, we're taking it so out of print. So number two goes out of print. We're taking it out of print, but Wally, we'll print it for you in a print-on-demand paperback. You can't even buy the book online. So a friend of mine is... Uh, a guy named Chris Bird, who was the uh, inventor of the Arnold Palmer drink, the half and half. And he loves golf, loves the Lord. So uh, he had me up to his home uh, course in the Highlands. Um, and uh, I had a dinner party and he gave Mulligan books out to the members of uh, Wildcat Mountain. Mm-hmm. And uh, his daughter had a friend from Charlotte over visiting him at that time. And, uh, he gave her a Mulligan book. She happens to be married to a man in Charlotte who works with Rick Eldridge. He took the book back, gave it to Rick in Charlotte, and said, you should consider doing this book. Well, I had met Rick a long time ago through Northland and some of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so Rick has the book. He reads the book. He's going, this is tremendous. Yeah, I'm and the next week, this is honest, the next week he is in Orlando, is playing on the Winter Park Nine that I'm a member at. He has a tea time in front of my tea time. No way. The week after he gets this book. Oh my and I goodness. walk up to the tea and he goes, hey, Wally, I can't believe, hey, you know, I got your book. Are you, would you be interested in a movie? So the Mulligan book got two Mulligans. It went out oh. of print twice. Oh, and um, anyway, it was, uh, I don't know. I like to say it wasn't me at all. You know, I tried to market it so many years and it, you know, it finally went out for the last time. And then I'm, I'm thinking, okay, it was, it had a good run. So what is the print status of the so, book right uh, now? The print status is the, uh, you know, Harper Collins has reprinted it. And uh, one of the things, Mike, we've, we've opened up is a new website called mulliganclub.org. And this will be a kind of a centralized uh, clearinghouse, uh, you know, portal for all uh, churches, men's ministries. Uh, They can go to the uh, mulliganclub.org and they can get books. They can get uh, connections on how to start a Bible study and a golfer study, uh, be linked into other, um, other golf avenues. That's awesome. Make connections. We have a um, biannual Payne Stewart Cup that mm-hmm. we've been doing for uh, almost 21 years. Next summer, it's going to be in Royal Port Rush. So we'll all go over there. And we'll... so um, this portal will really be a spot for people to go to to get resources and materials, to get connected. We'll have a, a weekly uh, 
insight from the old pro. Mm -hmm. uh, there'll be a study guide for the book. Uh, and so we want to just continue to have people use the game of golf as a tool because, uh, as you said earlier, there's so many correlations and uh, analogies of golf, oh, life, and absolutely. faith. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so the, um, you know, the Painster Kids program, we're, we're really talking about family, faith, and friends. Uh, and then we have the Mulligan Club. Uh, and, of course, the movie is... Uh, and the it's movie's not going to be a it's not going to be a bad thing for you either. I mean, this is going I to be know. an outstanding, <laughs> you know, the the movies that Rick Eldridge have been working on are just oh, stellar. Yes, the ultimate gift uh, oh. is still going. It filled theaters up. Uh, when um, we last spoke, I believe is mm -hmm. the name of one that he he did, and it yeah. is powerful, a mm -hmm. great production. Yes. Uh, he's very yes. gifted at this. And after the eight, after the 18th and 19th, uh, then uh, churches can rent the movie to show, mm -hmm. or uh, we have one country club in uh, York, Pennsylvania. They're going to rent it and show it to the members. Mm. Uh, it's a interesting thing uh, up North in a, in the summertime, they will set up a big, uh, screen out in a fairway and people bring their blankets and they show movies. Yeah. So it's kind of like the old Indiana. You remember we used to have the drive-in theater. Oh yeah, man. Oh. So this is kind of like a drive-in theater. At I grew courses. up with that. That was crazy fun. Um, so there's uh the dancing hot dogs and all of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so there's a lot of, uh, a lot of great opportunities for people. Uh, I just feel blessed to, to, uh, to be a part of it all. And, and the Mulligan, uh, the Mulligan movie is a, is a, a, it's a lot about my life too, you know, being caught up in, in, uh, being the big tour person and mm -hmm. the writer. And, uh, so in a lot of ways, it really reflects a lot about my own life and, uh, how God is continuing to give me Mulligans. What is it like? And, and this is such a unique question. I don't get to ask this mm -hmm. one very often. What is it like to have uh, some of your work turn into a movie? I have no idea. Uh, um, it's really interesting because we've shown this movie a number of times to different groups. Yeah. Um, and I used to think, well, you know, this is, I really wanted to write this for, for people that are kind of off track with their life or their marriage or their business. And, uh, but when I saw it a couple times, a couple, it's about two times ago, um, I really saw, you know, it's really, it's a lot about my own life, you know, that, uh, uh, and I was, you know, I, I kind of a, an addict to my work, you mm -hmm. know, like a workaholic. I think most professional um, golfers would and, be tempted uh, with I that. really, uh, you know, I really was, was, uh, not really following through with a lot of things that I believed in. I got so busy, you know, writing books and speaking and traveling and, and, uh, and so, um, just in the last year, I began to really deal with that in my own life, and uh, it's it's great mm -hmm. that that's it. That's the thing about this movie. It doesn't matter how much you seem to have blown it in your life, maybe with your family, maybe with your friends. You're, it's never too late. Mm -hmm. It's never too late to uh, establish uh, a relationship with Christ, and um, and that's the only way. You know, he that's can he can pull anything back together. Yeah, and uh, that's that's I've experienced in my own life. What an encouragement for people right now, 
that might be hearing while they talk about all of this and th- your life. Maybe I'm speaking right to you, our listener. Uh, your life is in need of a mulligan and you need that second chance. And that's where Jesus said, come unto me, mm-hmm. all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Wow. What an invitation to come. And, you know, that's exactly what's happened to you in your life. You think about Mm -hmm. all of these little what could look like um, coincidences, like sitting Mm -hmm. there at that meeting, Mm -hmm. at that prayer breakfast, and somebody behind you is about ready to give you a mulligan. But that was all set up. It wasn't just happenstance, Wally. Mm -hmm. That was the grace of God once again Mm -hmm. peering right square at your life. Well, the, you know, the other part of that scripture is he says to take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And so, you know, in the uh, in the movie and also in the book, uh, one of the things that that I really wanted to stress is that, you know, you accept Christ as your Savior and Lord. But the thing is, he doesn't leave you. Right. He walks beside you as your caddy. In the, right. And so if you if you watch the Masters or any of these tournaments, I don't think the guys could break 80 if they didn't have a caddy. Uh, <laughs> and so um, we really want people to say is that, you know, you're never alone. Once you accept Christ, he becomes your caddy and, and, and wants to walk with you. He knows your course. He knows your clubs. He yeah. knows your game. He knows what's best for you. And so um, that's such an important part because I missed that for 34 years mm-hmm. myself. <laughs> right. I, 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 unfortunately, as I mentioned, uh, I had an ab- abusive father that told me I was never going to mount anything and I never could seem to meet his expectations. So what happened with me when I met Christ at the university of Florida, I subconsciously put the face of my dad on the face of Jesus. So I lived for 34 years with this shame, even though I knew he loved me. Um, I just didn't think he liked me. Mm. And, uh, you know, he had to love me because he died for me, but he didn't have to like me. <laughs> yeah. So just uh, in about 1980, uh, 2004, I had a real experience with Christ personally and uh, and uh, where I just heard him speaking to me, not audibly, but he just said, would you just slow down and let me just love you. Just Just talk to me. Talk to me as you would a fellow golfer or a fellow golf teacher. And so that was a real turning point for me in, uh, in 2004. Uh, and, uh, and I'm, I have to keep going back to that, you know, because it's so hard for me to get down and feel like I'm not meeting his expectations. But, you know, uh, there's a great book called the shack. And in that book, you know, Jesus is talking to the main character and he's feeling like that. And he says, I have no expectations. I just want to be with you. Mm. So let's just talk mm. and get off your performance kick. Um, we'll never uh, earn it. We're we'll never, never be good can. enough. The mulligan. That's it. That's what we need. The mulligan comes again. Go to that uh, website. Give us that website one more time. Themulliganmovie.com. Themulliganmovie.com. Can't tell you how much fun this has been for me to have Wally Armstrong the uh, author of the book, The Mulligan, here talking about this upcoming movie. Friends, check it out. Make sure if you can go to see it, see it in the theater and back it up. It's a good thing. Mm -hmm. Wally, thank you for being with me. Thank you. 
Thank you, Mike. It's been great. And friends, thanks for joining us as well. We'll see you next time right here on Afternoons with Mike.